Welcome to the Seven Gates of the Kingdom podcast. This is J.H. Ellis. I'm the author of the epic fantasy series, Seven Gates of the Kingdom. In this podcast, I will talk about the stories behind the book series. If you want to follow along with the podcast and read the books at the same time, the first book of the series, The Gate of the Left, is available on Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. Let's get started. Tonight, we're talking about Bloody Promises. That's the name of chapter 11 in The Gate of the Left. Bloody promises in chapter 11 don't refer to sword fights or outright murders, at least not yet. That comes later in the novel. But bloody promises in chapter 11 refer to the commitments people make to get what they want. In this chapter, the commitments are made to the goddess Libna. Mahalib is worried that Shema won't return so they can marry and she can become queen. She also has a thing for Dab, but she's willing to skip that and make a blood covenant with the goddess. She wants Shema because she wants the throne. Dab also longs for the throne, and he also makes a commitment to Libna. He even allows his friend, Commander Laban, to injure the priest Shazon and draw blood because his hatred drives him to make bloody promises. And then there's a cop. He made bloody promises to Libna long before Mahalath and Dab were even born. He pledged allegiance to Libna and did every evil deed she demanded. A curse came with that blood oath, which we learned about in chapter 10. Akaz sees darkness ahead. He knows his destination, and he knows how his story will end. But Mahalath and Dab, they're just at the beginning. They're young driven by ambition and desire. They live without reins. Life seems long. A bloody promise seems small in comparison to the fulfillment of their ambitions. Take this scene when Mahalath makes a blood oath with the goddess. Mahalath and her sister Rena are shopping for trinkets. They come near a temple shrine, not the main temple of Livnit in the city of Kings, but a smaller neighborhood shrine run by a female order of priests. Within the shrine is a cult image of the goddess. Some ancient civilizations like Mesopotamia believed idols could come to life and embody a cult object made in their image. I use that reference here to show Mahalath going to the priestess, making her sacrifice, and then witnessing the goddess, quote, coming to life, end quote. We'll pick up this excerpt with the priestess recognizing that Mahalath is a woman of means and then asking Mahalath for money in a not-so-subtle fashion. So here we go. A petition for Libna to help the poor? Many suffer, the priestess said. No, Mahalath shook her head. Prayer for protection from the Bacana, from an abusive husband? No. Her head bowed, the priestess led Mahalath into an alcove where an oil lamp etched with silver serpents illuminated the room. Mahalev prostrated on the blood-stained mat. Above her was a 10-foot-tall clay statue draped in linens. The absence of my betrothed keeps me from fulfilling the ways of women, Mahalev said. In a flicker, the lined eyes of Lidmuth opened. The smudge red on the statue's lips darkened. The statue became flesh. Commit to me in blood, Lidmuth said. Mahalath hesitated. The priestess never required her to, 
cut herself, although she knew others had pledged themselves to the goddess in that way. Fresh blood on the mat indicated that someone had done so that morning. Lydneth pursed her lips at her and leaned down, a higher vow for a higher petition. Mahalev reached for a bowl and knife caked with blood. Wincing, Mahalev cut her right arm. Blood oozed down her arm and speckled her ruby-colored robes. What will you require of me? What is known and not known? Mahalev gasped as the wound healed before her. Even the blood disappeared. She knew that Lydna had great power, but now she had witnessed it. Her heart pounded. She felt the moisture gathering at her nape and forehead. Mahala placed her fingertips to her lips. Will I bear the king's sons? Why are the daughters of earth content to unite with mere men? Lydna's laughter rocked the shrine with a force that drove Mahala away. As she raced outside, the priestess, lounging at the threshold, spat with glee. So in this scene, just imagine what a Mahalev chose to ignore. Um, so she makes the oath, but look at what decision she makes. How does she feel when she ran out of the temple after hearing Lifnath howl? Mahalev is an educated woman, the daughter of aristocrats, beautiful and betrothed to royalty, but her insecurity leads her to make a blood oath. She gambles away her life before her life really gets started. What I'm trying to show here is that Livna, who represents all the dark forces that conspire against God and his ways, never tell you what a bloody promise will cost you. It's like the payday loan rep or the shady business owner who don't insist you read the fine print and wave away your hesitation. There's a cost to making blood oaths with the devil, folks. There's a cost to trying to get leverage in a situation with the fingers of wickedness. And at the end of chapter 11, we see the first glimpse of a blood oath that saps everything through the eyes of a cop. Because that's what blood oaths do. They sap everything. That's it. We've reached the end of this podcast about chapter 11. Again, remember, my goal in this podcast is to encourage you to dig deeper in the Bible. This is based on what I believe are God's instructions for the book. Hide me to reveal me. In the pages of the fantasy story, The Gate of the Left, may you catch a glimpse of Yahweh and his ways. Look for a new podcast every Friday night, just before midnight. For more information or to give feedback, follow my blog, Tablets of Seth, at The Gate of the Left.